Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to 15 Minutes with Lincoln. This is a political podcast with me, uh, Timothy Robert Dunn. I'm a um, currently unemployed bachelor in Chicago, a former copywriter, and a former president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. I first started doing this podcast with him, like, uh, during the 2016 election when I went down to Springfield, Illinois. Uh, he was a ghost or a spirit or something. I asked him to do a podcast with me because I said I was the greatest journalist. That was a lie. No big deal. Um, there was a wedding a couple weeks ago, and now we're here. So, um, yeah, I, all I have to do to summon him is say his name three times, and uh, I think that's all you need to know. Here we go. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Timothy Robert Dunn. Hello, sir. How are you? I am well, as well as one can be in this YMCA room. How are you holding up? Good, good. Yeah, Alec, uh, my roommate, uh, for listeners, I have this roommate, Alec, who um, has guns and weapons. I think he said he had uh, stun gun brass knuckles last yes, week. Yes, he did. He mentioned yeah. those. And um, a lot of things that turned to knives. Yeah, so he's not here. Uh, so it's just you and me this week. Okay, that's which good. Which is good, yeah. Yeah, he also uh, has a lot of vague connections with... Women? Yeah. Uh, apparently. and Sent over 200 uh, pictures of his penis to women. That's right. Yeah. And he's a big supporter of Donald J. Trump, the president yeah. of the United States. So it's just you and me this week. It's just, we haven't had a just a you and me episode in a long time. I know. It'll, yeah. It'll be nice. It'll be kind of a nice little wind down of the summer here. Right. Yeah. So uh, how are you? Did you apply to any jobs today? I've just been like super busy. You know what I mean? Um, have you? I don't know what you mean. You know how you have the app store on my phone? Uh-huh, yeah. There's this thing called Crackle, and um, Crackle is just like, it's like Netflix, but you don't have to pay for it, um, but there are commercials, so I just watched like a bunch of stuff on Crackle. I'm like gonna apply for jobs, but yeah. What is just, on Crackle? Um, comedians in coffee getting, uh, comedians in cars getting coffee, Uh huh. and then a bunch of anime. Okay, so... So what's your week been like? My week has been good. I've been trying to actually immerse myself into uh, the news, but it's just so depressing. It is pretty depressing. Everything is just a big bummer. Yeah. So I've been doing my best to read and to catch up, but, you know, I get distracted as well with yeah. things, so it happens. Do you know what anime is? Uh, I I assume it's like nudie books. Like it, I was just going to say that. It's kind of like the nudie books, uh, which are graphic novels for our any new listeners. Um, They're very what, graphic. Well, that's what Abe calls them because he accidentally flipped to a page in one of my graphic novels with um, breasts. Correct. And then I purposely flipped back to those pages a lot <laughs> to look at them and to study them. A lot of time and thought goes into drawing a naked person. Think about that. Like, could you imagine spending a couple hours just like, I'm really going to get these titties right? You know what I mean? Let me take that even one step further. I play video games sometimes. Uh-huh. And lately, there's been a lot of like nude scenes in video games. That means, like, a whole team of guys were in a room, like, designing the boobies and butts. Yeah. That's weird, right? It is weird. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I mean, I guess they should just design themselves a wife at this point. Because <laughs> I can't imagine they want to... There's any female that wants to spend any time with those fellas. Yeah. So anime is, like, moving nudie books in cartoon format. Oh, okay. So it's even more graphic. Some of them are pretty good. I mean, there's a lot. There's plenty of nudity. That's weird. It is, yeah, it is. You could draw anything you want. I guess that makes sense if there's one thing more than anything. You made wood carvings and breasts. So I was about to say that, yes, back when I was, uh, you know, coming of age, we didn't have pornography. Like we have it now. You, you've probably seen on the phone. Right. So yeah. we, we have uh, instead 
Right, like the sex tapes, the celebrity sex tapes. Which you are a big fan of. I'm a big fan of that genre uh-huh. of content. Very terrific. Uh, well, you know... That's kind of a go-to for beginners, if I may say so. No offense. It's like celebrity nudity is like a good in for like people new to porn. Interesting, yeah, because I don't want to search for anything like... You know, I don't want to search for anything. Yeah. And, but if I find it, I mean... But then, you know, it's also like, well, you know... Sure. I don't want to get anything weird. Yeah. So, back in my day, essentially, someone you know might have, like, a wood carving of a naked woman. Uh-huh. And then you would take it, and then you would try to, like, duplicate it the best you could. Then it would kind of get passed around. And you would do your best to kind of I'm make sorry, it I'm sorry, it would kind of get passed around? Yeah. Like, so like, guy to guy? Yeah, so you could memorize and figure out how to make your own carving of a woman. I think that's so much... I think... Well, I, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just... I think that's grosser than the video games. Nudity. Uh... I don't know. That's what a stepsister I grew up with, and we went out to the woods a lot. Let's get back to news. And historians don't really know what we were doing out there, so you can kind of assume we probably did some weird stuff. It is remarkable how... I will confirm we did some weird stuff, personally. I would say this. Let me... I I, I want to move to politics, but I do just want to hit on, on one thing. How many episodes do you think we've talked about the naked lady wood carvings? This is generally how we start each week. <laughs> well, Cook- probably close to a dozen, right? Yeah, what can I yeah. say? I'm an old perv at this point. Yeah. 200 year old perv. <laughs> uh, Honestly, I'm sexually frustrated because my wife is. Your wife walked into that lake. Yeah, she's at the bottom of a lake. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> um, hey, did you send Lisa that dick pic? I did not, no. I'm not going to do that. That's uh, that's kind of an Alex okay. thing. I'm not a dick pic sender. Got it. Qu- um, yeah, quick question. Do you mind if I do that? This feels weird because you, you kissed my ex-girlfriend, Lisa? Yeah, I know. And it's weird because I keep having to say she kissed me, but I get that it's kind of a, it's kind of a gray area. It certainly is. So please don't send a picture of your penis. It would be, wouldn't call it the Lincoln Log. Are, are we really having this conversation? Please don't, please don't send a... I'm just feeling it out. So, okay. You don't know unless you, you f- ask. Look, there's a lot of stuff about modernity I don't understand. Great. You felt it out? I'm telling you no. Okay. Okay. So, what um, if What if I'm on this Tinder app? Uh-huh. Which I've been kind of thinking about joining. Okay. What if I match with her? Oh, you, oh so you haven't joined yet. You're thinking about joining. Yeah, I, I am. I am. But I'm not quite sure if I want to um, just go whole hog and... Cheat on my wife. In case she's still around. Yeah. Um, uh, please don't match up with Lisa. I mean, you can, like, as friends, I, I guess, or whatever your There's relationship is. There's a friend zone now. option on Tinder? I mean, you can always, if you see somebody you know, you can uh, swipe. I haven't done this in such a long time. Whatever the accept one is, you can just accept them, and then you can chat over Tinder with your friends. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm just going to try to chat with her. Okay. Uh... Okay, so back to the news. I mean, she uh, has our email address. 15 minutes. I want to not talk about... One five minutes. One five, numerical one five minutes with Lincoln at gmail.com. Yeah. That's our email address. But Lisa, just text me. Sure. So, um, we've missed a bunch of news stories. We have Over the been... past, like, month, I would say. I know. Because of my relationship um, with Melanie. And, yes. And um, Alec interrupted us last week. Um... So there's been a lot. I mean, you know, uh, uh, we are getting closer and closer to some kind of conflict with North Korea. I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, that's not good news, especially considering Melanie was kind of a pretty obvious spy from North Korea. 
I mean, it seems like they're but really... But not a good one, seemingly, right? No. No. It was clear she was a spy the whole time. Also, they're escalating all their, their, their military tests and their... Yeah. Can you believe they have... You live in Chicago, correct? That's correct. Uh, yes. Land of Lincoln. Um, anyhow, I so... They have missiles that can hit Chicago from North Korea. Presumably. That's that's the theory. We don't know how accurate they are. Um, but that is a terrifying thing because, you know, we are a target. We're, we're a big city. Could you imagine if we got struck by a nuclear weapon as we were recording a podcast? Honestly, that's kind of how <laughs> I'd want to go out again. First you, time, yeah. I got shot in the head watching a play. <laughs> Second time, a nuke. Recording a podcast. Kind of the same thing. Can you thing. imagine how many podcasts would be interrupted by that nuclear bomb in Chicago? It would be hard, but uh, I can't imagine it would really affect that many people too no, much. No, I don't think Just, so either. You know, a lot of there's not a lot of listeners. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, that's pretty serious. Yeah. Um, let's see here. What else? Uh, 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 the Trump administration... The Russia sanctions. He signed oh, them. Yes, he signed the Russia sanctions while saying... I don't like that I'm signing these, you guys. Yeah, because they had veto power. You right. gotta be careful of that veto power. Especially as president, that's one thing that can can, can check you. Uh, and also, it's interesting, did you see that the, uh, the the president of Russia, not to Putin, the other guy, Mendelov, tweeted at him? Uh, no, I did not he see He was that. like, uh, wow, you're, he said you're a real, real soft bitch. <laughs> really? He said, well, he didn't put it in those terms. Yeah. Yeah, he might have been a little more PC about it. What he said was, uh, wow, way to really give in to the power of Congress. We thought you were a man or something. Wow. It was harsh. Uh, I'll find the tweet. You want me to find it? Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. It. I'm not going to talk while I look for it. Okay. Yeah, no, if you just want to. I'm having trouble finding it. See, I, you just do the search button on Twitter. Yeah, his name's like Mendel- Mendeloff? So it seems like a spelling thing with this guy's name? Yeah. Let's not worry about it then. You could also go to Google and probably put in Russian guy Trump insult. Hmm. Really? That's all you need to put in? Probably. It'll, it'll bring you to it. Hmm. Still, yeah, no, still no luck? I'm not seeing it. Okay. Um, let's, let's just put the phone away. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was a win for congressional Republicans... Uh, because it makes them say, hey, we're taking this Russia thing seriously. Sure. You can't say we're not. It's a loss for the, the White House, because it seems like they're kowtowing to Congress and the media. Right. Yeah. Um, well. And then beyond that, uh, uh, they impose this ban on transgendered uh, troops, um, which, uh, understandably, a lot of people are concerned about. And seemingly, they did not inform the Defense Department at all about this announcement. Yeah, are we sure that's for real? Or they we just... don't really. I mean, we don't know how... And we also, from what we understand from the reporting, uh, it might have been a budget issue. There was that uh, congressional Republicans didn't want to pay for hormone therapy and sex change therapy. Uh, and Trump just said, hey, we'll just do no transgender in the military at all. And that's what got him in trouble. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the rare cut to defense spending. <laughs> I guess that, that means, I, I guess you can, you can applaud him in that case, but it's not, uh-huh. uh, it's not often that actually happens. No. Hey, really. I, I don't totally um, understand transgender. Oh, okay. That might be a whole, like, episode. We might need a guest for that one. Sure. Yeah. In general, I think the idea, because there's no draft, correct? That's correct. If there's someone who's like, I want to go... Uh, yeah, fight kill, for my country. I want to go get shot at and become a killing machine. Yeah. And uh, lose touch with my friends and family and 
uh, have, have this horrible emotional burden for the rest right, of the Right, and have yeah. difficulty re-entering the labor force yeah. afterwards um, and kind of be beholden on some sort of weird modern states of welfare that no one really calls welfare mm-hmm. because it's like Defense Department and kind of have this weird kind of hero tributes around yourself the whole yeah. rest of your life. If someone wants to do all that... You should probably let them, right? You should probably you should just probably let them. Yeah. I don't really care what's in what's in their pants at this point. Yeah. I mean, no. it's pretty much computers fighting now. I mean... Yeah. That's a whole other episode, too. That's scary. Yeah, I mean, no one has to carry any hard tack. I got it pretty you, easy. Oh, you, you must have eaten hard tack because you were a soldier yourself. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, the, the most successful strategy back then was just... Uh, you you won't believe this was just living off the land. No, I understand that you. I think you've. Told oh, you me understand it because you do that. Okay, yourself. no, I'm not saying that I know how to do that. No, it's true. When Grant was invading the South, which wasn't really an invasion because they were still part of the United States technically, in my opinion, and so it was just more uh-huh. so occupying. Uh, the the ar- the armies fighting him, the Confederates kept searching for his supply chain. They were like, "We're going to cut him off," but he never had a supply chain because yeah. his whole army was just living off of the land. Yeah, something he learned. In the Mexican-American War. Mm. Man, you could be less interested. You, you know, what's interesting is that you, you, you complain that we never talk about politics, yet when I provide my perspective, you're bored. I can only I'm keep sorry. your attention if I I'm keep it sorry. I'm sorry, sir. I apologize. I just, I think, I think I'd heard that story before. Have I told you that story? You may have. Well, forgive me, I'm 200 years old. I apologize. Um, and then, of course, there was the, um... It's not like I go around reciting the Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, and then there were the announcements about, um, affirmative action policy and how, um, uh, the Trump administration, the Justice Department may be, uh, targeting colleges, uh, that, um, you know, uh, promote affirmative action. So... Yeah, uh, I don't, uh, affirmative action seems like a very, uh, I don't know what that is, I don't know what that is either. Sure, okay. So you can see why it's kind of hard for me to follow politics because it's just yeah. I have to keep researching things and researching things. And as you keep researching things, you found out, you, you know, you fall down this rabbit hole and yeah. this rabbit hole and then all of a sudden you're back with Ray J and Kim and you're like, well, <laughs> I guess I'll just stay here. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, let me say this. I'll give you a, a brief uh, description of affirmative action. A real you quick. The, you have the look on your face as if you wish someone else was here to explain this. I, I'll just say this. I'm a white man, and I don't know what it's like to grow up uh, or be a, a citizen, a, a black citizen, or a Latino citizen, or a citizen of color of the United States of America. Just put that caveat out there. Great. And I was president of the United States of America, so I think I know what it's like to be any American. Okay. Um, you and I, we're going to wade into affirmative action here real quick. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> affirmative action... Um, is a, a, a way, I'm sure a very intelligent uh, person or civil rights activist uh, developed it or thought of these principles, but the idea is that because our society um, unfairly um, has um, social structures that are, whether it is um, through economic means or through prejudice, uh, just relegated to white people, uh, that we need to make these uh, special opportunities available to people of color as well. And affirmative action is a guiding principle saying, um, let's say me, I have a 4.0 grade point average. I want to go to Northwestern University. And a, um, a black student 
uh, with a 4.0 grade point average, who wants to go to uh, Northwestern University. Uh, the guiding principle there of affirmative action would say, let's go with the uh, black student because uh, this student um, maybe doesn't have a, a middle-class background like I had growing up, um, and we need more diversity here at Northwestern. And that is affirmative action. Well, I... I think I would have understood it better had you taken maybe 145 instead of maybe 155. Uh, I'm teasing um, because I'm hiding the pain that comes from realizing that this is going to cause another civil war. You think so? This is absolutely going to cause another civil war. No. Uh, Timothy, can I tell you something about uh, poor white people? <laughs> okay, sure. Go ahead. They don't like anybody getting ahead of them. Yeah, we kind of learned that lesson this past election. Well, uh, I've been learning it a long time. Mm -hmm. Now, I would think that they would probably just say, well, well, you know, people should just get in for being the most qualified, being, you know. Sure. So. I'm sorry, you're saying who should say that? I was thinking that the, 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 the white people probably. Oh, you're saying, yes, that's the argument they should go with? No, I'm saying that probably is their argument. Yes, yeah, right. That is what they say. Um... But it just so happens that, like, um, oh, it's seen as anti-white people as opposed to pro, uh, uh, like anti-racism or uh, anti-prejudice or anti-segregation. Yeah. I knew this was happening. It feels like an attack on white people to them. Yes, it does. Yeah. No, I understand that sometimes equality feels like uh, uh, discrimination against the privilege. Uh, but that's just because they're used to, you know, a higher standard. Sure. But I, I, I will say this. Uh, this is something I foresaw back in my day, so you might want to just grab a pillow and lay down. <laughs> because, no, no, I was, I often, yep, there it is, take a drink, lay back. No, so, so I was always very aware that this was a possibility, that, uh -huh. that, that uh, the poor whites were going to resent suddenly the freed Africans. Yeah. Now, that's why I often proposed for dozens of years that we should set aside some money to help Africans recolonize parts of Africa. Yeah, people didn't like this plan, though. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense to me, man. Well, it was the I. I think okay. So you're talking about what was the name of this plan? Uh, what the coloniz the colonization project? Yeah. So that was the idea that well, this isn't actually your land. It's it's our land. Which it was never white people's land either. We stole it too. Oh. I mean that's now what I see. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of kind of. And we forced them to come here also. Yeah. Yeah. You know that's probably why when I went and. Gave that presentation to all uh -huh. those free black people in yeah. Maryland. They all just walked out. Probably weren't a big fan. At the time, of I was like, come on, what? This is a good idea. It's a foolproof plan I've got here. Well, I always was worried about this. The, yeah. The, you know, this is also a big reason why we ended up compensating slave owners for their loss of property and not slaves for their loss of, of mm. wages. Did you, are you aware of this? I'm not. Well, I often was was aware that this was going to be a tricky situation, and that's why I was hoping that, that the institution would die out naturally. But of course, we had to we had to solve it because it was brought to our steps. So I proposed the ten percent plan, which would just be in eighteen sixty three uh, for states to rejoin the union. Just ten percent of their citizens had to pledge loyalty to the union. Now, I'd already issued the Emancipation Proclamation. At this point, folks were worried that just ten percent might not include slave owners, and they might be able to band together and preserve the institutions of slavery after the union was put back together. So radical Republicans, and now this might sound familiar, overruled me, and they passed something called, I don't know, the Davis-Wade law or something, 
that was going to require about uh, a third of, of people, uh, I think a third or two-thirds of people in the southern states to pledge loyalty and to fully abolish slavery. Now, that did not go over well with the South, and I knew that would be the case, and even though we were at war, I vetoed it. And that made them very upset. I'm confused. How would you make it clear that these people actually uh, pledge loyalty to you? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh-huh. It's just kind of a, what else are you going to do? <laughs> they have to join the Union again anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it's all kind of just ceremonial, just kind sure. of trying to show things. So I, <clears throat> anyway, but thankfully in 1864, I won re-election, and the 13th Amendment, the Prohibitive Slavery, was passed uh, shortly thereafter, and I was trying to unify unify things. Now, there were other issues as well, like uh, Sherman, William Sherman. Mm-hmm. He was the one who said 40 acres and a mule should be granted to the freed slaves. And uh, uh, that did not happen. No, it did not. I tried to, well, I mean, again, I set aside money, but it was for, like, recolonization and not. Uh, yeah. Should just maybe gone with some acres. Probably gone with the acres, yeah. 40 acres also, that's a lot of land, right? It's a pretty good amount of land. I'm, th- that's more just a curiosity thing. I don't know what an acre Okay, is. so you can get about, I think, about um, a ton of potatoes per year off of an acre if you do it yeah. pretty well. So that's pretty good. But you got to eat straight potatoes. Now, about an a- about three acres could get you... Oh, there it is. You got a siren. You got a little siren going on. You want to look that thing up on Twitter? While no, that's okay. okay. Anyway, forget what I was saying about agricultural yields. So I was aware that this was going to be a problem. You remember when Frederick Douglass was on the, the podcast? And he, yes, that's correct. He gave me the business uh, for something very important. When I, when I issued the Emancipation Proclamation, I said that African Americans could serve in the Union forces. This mm-hmm. was a big deal at the time. And they were so willing to serve. We had 10% of our troops were actually African Americans. Now that's almost full representation because twelve, about 12% of America at the time was black. That's almost full. And we're only talking about men here. Mm-hmm. That's a huge amount. So, uh, yeah, I didn't pay them as much as I pay white people. And Frederick Douglass was upset about this. But you have to do these little things so that the whites don't get all upset. <laughs> because at the end of the day, maybe it's because we quantify our time through the systems of wage labor and everyone's just gauging their own personal worth against the worth of other people. But uh-huh. unfortunately... People are always going to be looking to get ahead and thinking, oh, at least I'm better ahead of that person. And they'll say to themselves, well, I don't discriminate against them, so perhaps they should just pull themselves up in their bootstraps and do a better job themselves. Perhaps, you know, if I have a 4.0, they should get a 4.4. Can I give you a uh, real-world example that I've come across of people dealing with uh, affirmative action? Uh, yes. (laughs) This is not going to get weird, I promise. Uh, so, you know, I come from the, come from, I spent some time in the world of Chicago comedy. And uh, one thing that happens as you spend years and years here is there gets to be a bunch of older white guys that are just kind of hanging around. And um, these conversations happen, which always make me feel a little uncomfortable about these white guys are like, oh, just think how great my career would be if I was a black person. Oh, boy. Yeah. And uh, a friend of mine because um, I can't say that I'm, I've been immune to those thoughts. I've, I've had them, but my friend Brian Duff uh, set me straight at one point, and he said, that's loser talk. And I think it's true. It's just he said like, that? Yes, he said that. I don't like that guy. You don't like that guy? Well, I, I don't know. He's probably trying to butter you up for something. He's trying to get out of you for free. He's a grifter. The truth is, uh-huh. is that what was stopping those male comedians from just being a little bit better themselves? 
The same uh, logic that goes towards those who want to discriminate and say that we don't need this action to kind of level the playing field. Mm-hmm. That could be applied to them. What's co- what, what was keeping you from getting a 4.4 to get into Northwestern? Laziness. And See? video games. Oh, and the nudie books. Nudie books. Uh, yeah, beginning of pornography. Probably undiagnosed depression and anxiety. Anyway, okay. so the thing is, is that if you... And we'll talk about your depression. Yeah. But anyway, the thing is... Is that if, if you are one who says, uh, oh, I believe in the, you know, the free market and oh, this is a, everyone should just be rewarded for being the best and we should hire the best and take the best. Well, then that has to apply to you. You have to ask right. yourself, what could I have done to be 1%, 1 point, 1 day a little bit better? Am I actually the best? You know, do I actually deserve this? Um, and also, like, going with the same example of, of white men in comedy... There's too many of us. They don't need us. The economy, the market forces, don't need white guy comedians. That's just part of it that you have to sort of accept when you go into that world. Well, uh, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't sound like they've accepted it. No, no, it doesn't. When I was, when I was also in, 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 in around 1864 as well, I created the Freedmen's Bureau to help with the transition from slavery to being a free man. And uh, um, unfortunately, that was never funded well. And uh, then I died, and so you know, it probably didn't stick around. Sure. Uh, I can state plainly from what I have read that Reconstruction would have looked a little different had I been around for it. Mm-hmm. It would have been a little softer, but yet firmer in different ways. Softer probably on the white folks because, damn, they are sensitive. They're sensitive as hell. You really think all this stuff that they run around about, like, oh, I don't see race and all this stuff that we're saying, that's because they're, they're really kind of babies about this stuff because they know. Yeah. And I'll get back to that because I'll get back to what they know. And more importantly, I would have been firmer on, on perhaps stopping this vigilantism and this KKK, stopping the yeah, stopping right. the full enchantment and 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 uh, the full um, uh, you know the participation of of Africans in American life. Now I know that uh, Ulysses S. Grant eventually became president after I was correct. That's correct. Now he was someone who I have great confidence, and I do have sincere great confidence that he would have done a very good job in Reconstruction because. He detested the very lawlessness that I am protesting against right now. That vigilanteism, that KKK, trying to take back their country and make their country great again, or whatever the hell they think they're doing. uh, That's not how the law works. No. And more importantly, he was serving. He he served in the the army, and nothing nothing brought people up to speed than serving alongside African Americans and realizing, oh, yeah, they're actually pretty much just like us. Yeah. So he probably had a pretty good perspective on those things. Also, but he loved to drink, so I don't know. I mean, he didn't love to. He actually kind of coped with it. Anyway, I'm glad you don't. You kind of look like him, by the way. I look like Grant? Yeah, you do. Uh. He has very small stature. Made him very good at riding horses. Okay. And then when he get depressed enough, he would just go drink for like three days, and no one would hear from him. I don't know if that's entirely like me, but... Yeah, it was weird. People were like, maybe you should fire him, because this is kind of irresponsible just to him go off into the woods and leave, a his, war. leave his army alone and drink. <laughs> Especially if he suffered casualties, yeah. his first thing would be, I'm going to go get I got to go get hammered real quick. He's a functional alcoholic. <laughs> the truth is, is I believe that slavery was our original sin as a country. And we all recognize that it was in defiance, open defiance of all of our principles. And we recognize that it undermines everything that we were meant to stand for. That shining city on a hill. Because of that, it has warped our imaginations. We recognize that slavery was an inherently white supremacist institution in creating that sort of way of life that the South was trying to preserve and fight for. Mm -hmm. 
Because of that, it has warped our imagination to the point that we could only now imagine two things, white supremacy or black supremacy. We cannot even picture a world in which equality might exist. And so now we become paranoid that if we're not always winning and we're not always making America great again, then perhaps we are losing and it is becoming a black or brown supremacist society. So to those people who are worried about affirmative action, you would say, get a life. Man, and we didn't even touch on, touch on Confederate, the HBO show that's coming out soon. Oh, gosh. That just seems like a lot of excuses to get some African-American nudity. Don't you think? You think so? It's the Game of Thrones, guys. You think they're going to handle sexual violence, uh, inherent in slavery, tastefully? <laughs> well, this is supposed to be modern times, though, right? Slavery in itself was separating families. and It was all about the controlling of, the, of a human being, and, and that involved their reproduction. Right. But what I'm saying is, I I, I, I think the truth is, is that people from your era, I know you make a lot of movies about these things yeah. and people are sick of them, but no one actually grasped how horrifying slavery was. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. So maybe chew on that. And if you would, if you really want to do something about, you know, getting rid of affirmative action, perhaps you could have just, I don't know, kept the Freedmen's Bureau around or perhaps, you know, stood up to the KKK or maybe even just push this civil rights legislation a little bit harder and try to create an equal housing market then we wouldn't need these sorts of measures. And if you'd be willing to have these conversations, then they wouldn't have to be so awkward because we'd have them more often and they wouldn't be so tense. But instead, everyone's paranoid. You, um, at the end of that, you didn't really say it's going to be okay. or I don't know. I, I, listen, if, if poor white people have not changed since the 1860s, what makes you think that is ever going to change? They want everyone else to be responsible for their own actions and to take responsibility, but yet they don't do it for themselves. I mean, that is common across, you know, we always, you know, the pot calls the kettle black. But at the end of the day, if everything can be fixed by an attitude adjustment, how come so many of them are fucking losers? Any other news stories you want to talk about? I don't know. Okay. I'm going to go back to the afterlife. Okay. I got to get to improv rehearsal, so... All right. It's probably good. I'll see you. See you next time. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, that was 15 Minutes with Lincoln. Um, I am one of your two hosts, Timothy Robert Dunn. That was, of course, President Abraham Lincoln. Uh, if you'd like to ask President Lincoln a question, uh, as he said, email us at 15minuteswithlincoln at gmail.com. That's numerical 15minuteswithlincoln at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.